Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Mom. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Can't really complain. Uh, How's it going with you? Everything's going well. It always feels very busy, but I look forward to this chance that we have to get together at least once a week and talk to each other about history stuff. So it's cool. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this week's episode about Catherine the Great, part two. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask if you remembered where we left off. I believe Peter Ulrich, is that his name? Yes. He, um... Catherine just took over, basically, and kicked him out. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Jacob, I'm sorry, did he die? Uh, well, we're going to get into it uh, okay. today. Uh, yeah, well, he was Peter Third, and Catherine and basically everyone else, like all the nobles and military and stuff, because no one liked him. They staged a coup, which isn't spelled like it's pronounced, which <laughs> completely, like, for One years, of those words. Mis- misset me on the wrong path. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, basically, that's where we left off. So we're just going to continue from there, go through her, her reign as Empress of Russia and all the various ups and downs. I don't know how often uh, roller coasters like this happen amongst like people in charge of countries. I guess depends how long they've been in power. See, like we mentioned last week, was the longest reigning female ruler of Russia. Right, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So, so she had a lot of, of time for ups and downs. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a roller coaster. We're just going to go through the uh, the events just because it's interesting. Yeah, cool. A few weeks after the coup, Peter, good old Peter, he got into a bit of a drunken fight and was killed. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did, did now, you mention that last time? I've completely forgotten it. I didn't. Okay. No. All I, right. I specifically cut off right before that. <laughs> I was racking my brain. I was like, wait, did we did we find out what happened or did I just imagine the next step? So it was just a few weeks after that kid yeah. and he was killed in a drunken fight. Wow. Yeah. A lot what an of unceremonious pe- ending for him. Yes. A lot of people, both at the time and now, you know, looking back on it, stories and whatnot, they wonder because the timing is very suspicious and we know Catherine did like him and it was in a position of authority. Uh, but we don't know if chances are she probably didn't order it or anything. Probably wasn't an assassination, but she did pardon his killer. Uh, oh, so wow. that was one of those kind of question mark things. In fact, during her reign, like later, because we will get into it. There are some uh, rebellions and stuff. There have been people claiming to be Peter, like who survived and was the rightful emperor, uh, which wasn't true. Uh, He was pretty definitively dead. But it was at a time where they didn't really have like photos in the newspapers or anything like that. That was, you know, 
uh, to be was, able to uh, prove it easily to everybody. Yeah, it was a different time. You just hear about it. So moving on from that whole blemish, I guess, uh, C began reversing a lot of Peter's policies, which isn't too surprising given that they're very unpopular policies and got him unseated. You know, so he pulled back from Denmark because they were going to Denmark at this point. So he pulled back from that, all that. So I don't want to be too topical uh, because obviously a lot of people have opinions about that stuff, but it's difficult when you look back at history, which does repeat itself, to not see echoes of what you're reading about in your own life. So I was thinking about how like when Catherine became empress and began reversing a lot of Peter's policies, I figured that makes good sense. That happens all the time mm-hmm. um, when a regime change happens and it's of a different ideology or of a different viewpoint than what came before. When Trump became president, he undid a lot of what Obama did. And when Biden became president, he undid a lot of what Trump did. Mm-hmm. It's just like this back and forth thing. Right, right. Good connection. I just thought that was interesting and to mention it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it is. It def- history definitely repeats. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, since he was pulling troops out of Denmark, see, actually began pulling troops out of Europe in general. She was very kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say isolationist, but was more concerned with internal Russian affairs, you know, Russia, and first in terms of like, uh, focus and attention and everything else is kind of just there, but a secondary concern, mm-hmm. I suppose. Got it. And like, remember, the Seven Years' War was still going on at this point. So it was like kind of a, a we're done fighting in other places. Okay. The army liked this. The military actually liked this because they didn't like having to fight in these other lands that weren't theirs, you know? So that's good. Now, the first major issue she had to continue because so far it's all been like settling in, right? So the first major issue she had to contend with was finances. Russia was broke; it had no money. Uh, continuing the war was like just putting a strain on all the the, the coffers, I guess. Yeah, and calling um, all the troops back probably was one way for her to uh, help that because it's got to be expensive to be financing troops everywhere. Yeah, but here's a sticky situation. They weren't technically out of the war yet, uh, because if they were, they would lose all their wartime reparations that they would have won if they just sought to to the end. And mm. uh, their idea of war at that time was very different than our idea of war now. Um, you mentioned something and- about that last time. I did, yes. Uh, so for them, it was less, oh, this horrible thing. It wasn't so much ideology-based. It was more like sparring matches between nations, and the winning side would get uh, reparations. Uh, you know, they, they'd be able to oversee how the, like, the trees were signed and all that. Uh-huh. But if you pull out early, you don't get any of that because you pulled out early. Right. You, know? you didn't see it to the end. So Catherine didn't really want to, she wanted to kind of see this conflict, which was, I think, grinding down at this point to the end. But she also needed more finances, more money, because a war, regardless of the era, costs money, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. So there wasn't our solution, but it wasn't as popular. The church owned about a tenth of all Russ's wealth. Uh, wow. And yeah, because it was that type and that time and all that. Now, Obviously, you don't want to be seen as taking money from the church, even as for a good cause. Russia, at least at the time, uh, was super religious, so you don't want to 
be seen as uh, heretical or overly greedy or whatever. So here's here's what she did. She went to the Senate, the people kind of that help run stuff, you know, and they had a long debate about the church and specifically them not helping out with charity and other noble causes and all that, mm-hmm. you know, despite having money being able to to do so. And I don't know all the details. I obviously wasn't there. From my understanding, there was some um, kind of corralling and arm twisting and all that. But eventually, she needs to be heard. And all church property became the property of the state, wow. which meant they can now be taxed. And that helped tie things over until like they can get back on their feet. Wow. Uh, so very smart and clever on her part but it's also one of those things that you know people have mixed feelings about i can see that yeah the separation of church and state and all that that's like a whole nother thing yeah that's interesting so i actually this part we're about to get into i actually debated if i should talk about it now or later because it's kind of comes up multiple times but i want to talk about the serfs in Russia. Do you know what a serf is? A serf, S-E-R-F, is somebody who mm-hmm. is like a peasant who, yeah. a serf, I think, works the land that belongs to somebody else. And then they also have to give whatever it is, the a portion of whatever the uh, crops that they raise or the animals or whatever. They don't really own the land. They just barely eke out a living. That's kind of mm-hmm. what, what I yeah. know of it. Yeah, it's a term that most people in the here and now aren't super familiar with. So that's why I asked. They're basically slaves, at least in Russia at that time, they were slaves, unpaid workers. They had no rights. They were owned by which landowners. And by this point in history, corporations, that was a thing that had begun. And they couldn't really travel without permission. Russia, I should say, was one of the those countries that was very slow to the Enlightenment and the idea that all men are created equal and more kind of progressive. Thinking for the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is one of those things that really shows they would they were like that up until like the like like their slowness to adopt some of these ideas of insulin later on down the line would have led to the um, communist revolution there. But that's obviously a bit later. Yeah, yeah. So naturally, there's protests and civil uprest because people are like, this is ridiculous, this is unfair. We'll get back to that because that's when it really boils over is later on. But that's just some backdrop of what's going on. Catherine, see that this, (laughs) she didn't really help too much with this, but basically what she did was she had... A bunch of representatives from a bunch of different people come to talk about the needs of their who they're representing right mm. like see and then a census was kind of pro- progressive so you have people different faiths people different ethnicities because russia is a huge place but see left out the serfs which was a significant nine-tenths of russia were serfs wow. so it's a significant amount of people wow. so it wasn't so much rule of the people so much as rule of the top Right. The top 10% or so. Mm -hmm. There were other problems with the meeting. Russia, they've never done anything like this before. It was always very authoritarian. I should be careful saying certain words because they have different meanings. Basically, rule of a a person, you know, they usually didn't 
take advice. Yeah, yeah. So the representatives didn't really know what's going on. A lot of them couldn't read. Uh, So like the rules he said after, like, I don't know what this is. They thought this might have been like a loyalty test. Like, oh, she's testing our loyalty. So their first meeting, they decide on calling her the great, Catherine the Great. And which kind of really ticked her off because he brought them there to helped her decide on laws and stuff and not to flatter her. Mm. So it's kind of a kind of a failure. That's funny. And mm-hmm. that's what she's most known as. It's Catherine. Yeah. 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 I mean, she was very influential in Russia's history. So arguably she is deserving of that title. But yeah. Uh, another thing she had to deal with, and this takes some explanation, a lot of this says I'm skipping so much, by the way. <laughs> this is super condensed. There was the issue of the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth, which if that sounds confusing, don't worry about it. It was basically what Poland is today, then basically. You see, Catherine had previously installed a puppet ruler there to like kind of this is stuff that European monarchs always were doing. They were just kind of playing the you know uh-huh. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but see, I saw a puppet ruler. I think it was one of her boyfriends. I'm not too sure. And obviously, that puppet ruler began acting in what was Russia's interests and uh-huh. not so much the interests of Poland, uh, the people he was supposed to be serving. Right. So, of course, that led to a rebellion there. And Catherine sent the Russian army over to secure their interests. It was an issue. But during this invasion, the Ottoman Empire got involved due to Russia trespassing through their territory uh, <sighs> as part of this whole. It, it's complex. Yeah. It's complex. Yeah. So fun fact about the Ottomans. For centuries, uh, the Ottoman Empire was on a slow decline during World War One, which is their swan song. It's when they stopped being the Ottoman Empire, there was a quote, I can't remember by who, might have been Churchill, he called them the old man of Europe, because they were super old, super ancient, and very much like in a sharp decline, and it was very obvious they uh. were. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, uh, at Catherine's time, that wasn't so much of a mindset. Um, people thought the Ottoman Empire and Russia were more or less uh, equal in terms of strength. But Russia totally won out over the Ottomans in that fight, which surprised a lot of people. Mm. Uh, there were several reasons for this. Gregory Potemkin, who we'll talk about later, he was a very smart military guy. Uh, he led the land forces and was very much involved in that. And there was this crazy plan to sail around Europe to attack with their navy because they didn't have access to the Black Sea, which they wanted. It's a whole thing. Don't mm. worry about it. Um, and that caught them by surprise because they weren't expecting them to do that. Mm-hmm. Needs to say, a lot of people in Europe sat up and took note of this. They're like, oh, Russia actually it means business now. You know, like there's actually how wow. they... Uh, someone competent or someone competent in charge. Now, the other European powers, they really don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to upset the balance of power, which would have happened eventually with the French Revolution. That's what, you know, kicked that off. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> Russia, sorry. Everything's Russia, so intertwined. Yeah, it's it's all connected. Uh, and there's nothing's just an avoid. So Russia didn't get as much out of that conflict that they won as they would have liked, you know, because normally they'd get like a lot of stuff. But uh, the other European powers and basically Catherine's... No, I'm, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but the conflict yeah. you're discussing, because you were talking about uh, Russia going to defend itself in Poland mm-hmm. and got in a conflict with the Ottoman Empire because they were yes. crossing over. So is that, that the conflict. conflict that you're talking about? The Ottoman yes. Empire? Okay, gotcha. Yes, yeah, sorry. 
Catherine's peers, basically, like the kings and queens and all that of Europe, they they were kind of like, you can't, we can't take too much stuff. You know, we, we, we're going to intervene. So she's like, all right, all right. Uh, so they didn't get as much they wanted, but they still got some stuff, right? They got some more money, some mm-hmm. more territory, uh, including access to the Black Sea, which I mentioned earlier. That, that was something that they had That's a big deal. wanted for a while. Yeah. Now, remember those serfs I mentioned? Uh-huh. They're back in the story and they're rebelling big time. Uh, it, this was one of the largest peasant revolts in Russia's history. And so Catherine sent a force to deal with it. It was like in the Ural Mountains, right? Catherine sent a force to deal with it. That force got wiped out. So he sent <sighs> another force, like a larger force to deal with it. They got wiped out. So she's like, okay, this is a problem. Wow. <laughs> But she couldn't deal with it directly because they were still fighting the Ottomans, right? When that ended, she sent the troops from the um, that fought in the war to the Ural Mountains to kind of put down this this peasant rebellion. The, the that whole rebellion itself lasted about a year or so. Wow! But so it was they were fighting in the Ural Mountains, you said, and also. Mm-hmm. Were they still dealing with Poland since they no, just... No, no, that was that was after that. Okay, yeah. okay, so that got finished up, and then they went, okay, gotcha. Yes. Now, the next big issues, uh, see, it's just one thing or another. I'm just touching on the, because obviously there are a lot of downtime, right, a lot right. of other stuff, but I want to touch on, like, the, the exciting things. <laughs> Smallpox, yes, really. Uh, now... There's an outbreak of it in, in Rusta. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you how crazy deadly smallpox was at that time. Obviously, it's still around. And I'm sure people still die from it. But it was like plague levels of stuff back then. Catherine was an enlightened ruler, Crotace and Marx, because he wasn't really. Uh, she liked to call herself one. She liked the ideas of it. She was close friends with Voltaire, who was uh, big into that. A lot of monarchs or a lot of um thinkers and people wore at the time but she was an autocrat she still believed that like the ruler of the country should have the power and all that stuff so the mixed bag there but as part of being enlightened quote unquote she wanted to be informed she wanted to be on top of like all the new scientific and medical knowledge and stuff so she introduced vaccines into Russia, which was a relatively new thing at the time. And I don't, again, I don't want to be topical, but a lot of people were skeptical about this. A lot of people are like, what is this? Is this safe? I don't think this is going to work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what she did is very publicly, she got both herself and her son publicly vaccinated. Hmm. So everyone can see, look, I'm doing it. You can trust it. I wouldn't endanger myself if I didn't think this was safe. And vaccines uh, then weren't vaccines as they are now. You know, there was a lot more kind of shaky about how they did things. They didn't understand a lot of the safety precautions and stuff that we understand. Mm-hmm. Not because they're dumb, just they hadn't found out about that yet. Yeah, right. It, was, it evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was taking a risk is what I'm saying because uh-huh. it might have backfired. But in that moment, in my opinion, I don't want to project myself or or voice my own opinions on this too much. But in my opinion, that moment was when she was the enlightened progressive she liked to paint herself as, mm. um, in, in my view, as opposed to putting down uh, mistreated peasants' revolts and stuff. Yeah, um, so she was... Uh, so. 
she introduced the vaccines to the populace, to everybody. Mm-hmm. So yes. everybody had an op- opportunity to have them done or she required them to be done or like what part of that makes it enlightened because she was willing to see introduce vaccines to try to stop a, a disease where a more uncaring ruler, I suppose, would just let people die. Con- yeah. Only be concerned about themselves. Okay. Uh, not so much their people. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. And there was, like you say, there was still that risk that she could yeah. do that and it wouldn't have any effect or it would have a bad effect. Yeah. I want to talk about Gregory Orlov, one of her boyfriends. Uh, she had a couple. Obviously, there was Peter. There was the Polish puppet guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple others. There's Orlov, and then there was Botimkin, who is arguably the most important one. Now, Orlov, they were together for 13 years, if you can believe that, which wow. is crazy. The, those things often don't last that long. Wow. He was very dashing, I guess is the right word. He was a dashing man. He was a type of person who kind of spoke his mind, didn't really give a darn, really one else had to think about him or what to say of him or what they said of him, which in our culture isn't necessarily seen as a bad thing within reason. But in that culture, of course, it was, you know, he was a, a nobleman. He's supposed to be act a certain way. And he mm. was kind of a rake, you know, mm. uh, but he was very handsome, very dashing, and Catherine liked him. But there are other little hiccups, things that kept popping up and being an issue. He was unfaithful to her, her one thing. He had girlfriends of his own Mm. and didn't care at all for the enlightenment, unlike Catherine. But in spite of all that, they did care for each other, uh, or at least Catherine cared for him. She wrote something along the lines of wanting to stay with him forever or some, (sighs) some such. Though, of course his behavior made so that the other nobles hated him. They couldn't stand him, but they couldn't do much about him because he had the empress's ear. Right. Well, eventually he proved too much even for Catherine and she had to come loose, so to speak. Wow. What I, I don't know what the straw was that broke the camel's back, but what she did was she sent him on a diplomatic mission that he flubbed because he is not diplomatic. Um, and I think she knew that. So he was out basically and he was replaced by gregory potemkin who was the guy who fought in the uh the ottoman conflict and he was the real deal i really like him uh (laughs) he had a lot of credentials from both his service and he was one of the first supporters of catherine back when they're doing the coup he was right there uh with it and Unlike Orlov, he actually cared about increasing his knowledge of the world and enlightenment. And when it came to like things like religious freedoms, he was very progressive in that sense. He had top honors at his university. The whole Sabine, he was a very smart guy. And he was very witty, or at least what counted as wit at in <laughs> in, uh, the 1700s Russia. <laughs> you know, so he was very respectful of Catherine and they, they hit it off like a house on fire, basically. They were most likely married. We don't know for sure. It's one of those things that was a secret if it happened. But even if they didn't, they acted like they did. They called <sighs> themselves husband and wife. <sighs> um, 
so they might as well have been. He was basically the Darth Vader to her Palpatine. Uh, Star Wars reference. I have to put my head around that. He was the Darth Vader <laughs> to her Palpatine. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he was so like she her was number like two. the Supreme, and he was okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because he was still active in his role in the. Because he got he was made a minister of of some sorts, whatever. But he was still active. He was still like following her and all that. But they were an item. Okay, so using that analogy though, um, this seeing what lines up with that. So both Palpatine and Vader are both like, you know, considered evil dark side, well, yeah. obviously. So is that, it's not a great analogy. Okay. So I just uh, didn't know if that part of the analogy carried over. No, no. Okay. Uh, people are more complicated than fictional characters. And unfortunately, yeah, I know. There's always an unfortunately, uh, they eventually ended their relationship. They were better off as friends and they both knew it. He was jealous because of like every time she sort of tense into someone else, he got really jealous. He hated the power imbalance of their relationship, uh-huh. which fair enough on that, because I'm of the belief that there shouldn't be a power imbalance. But he he knew that oh, she can just drop me at any point. And it, that's that's, that's an that. uncomfortable position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So he's constantly like, Hey, you still love me, right? We're still we're still a thing. So like, yes, of course, of course. But it was just too much. So they had to split, but they were on good terms with it. He still their friendship remained, basically. He still helped her out, still served her. And uh she still liked him. He actually was her reen man in a couple cases. Like he'd introduce a friend of his to her, being like, Hey, I think you know, you might hit it off. Oh, or interesting. Yeah. And barely does that happen in real life yeah. that uh, exes are friends. Yeah. Uh, I want to point it out because that's like a true icon thing. Yeah. And then set to the point of setting up the ex with somebody else. That's unusual. Yeah, it is. So we've seen Catherine as a ruler, how she was kind of a mix between being very controlling and very. I guess, libertarian. I don't know what the right word of that is. Opposite of controlling. (laughs) Hands off, I guess. But how was he as a parent? She wasn't that great of a mother from what we know of her. She was kind of... Do you remember uh, Joanna, her mother? Yes. Yes. Not a great example. No. Uh, She was kind of like that in the sense that she was very... uh, not too happy. Her her heir, her son, you know, the the important one. I think she had others, but the important one. Uh-huh. He was basically Peter reborn, you know. Mm. He was Boris. He was childish. He wasn't really raised by her. He was raised by servants and stuff because wow. he was busy, I suppose. And that kind of made him resent her a bit. And he became more of a he looked to his late dad basically he looked to peter uh because he was like okay well i'll just be like this guy he eventually he had actual character development though which is good but it was through tragedy so i guess not that good basically he lost his wife and his son to illness wow yeah and he so he started to um reform himself basically and started to take his responsibilities more seriously as the heir of Russia. Mm. And so that when Catherine eventually died, she lived a while. She passed away around 1796 or so. She lived a while. He took over, but 
yeah, I, I wanted to just, I don't know. I think Catherine is one of the more interesting monarchs, one of the more interesting leaders in history, because oftentimes, and you can see this both in a historical context and a contemporary context, a leader is one of two things. They're either very controlling and very brutal, or they're very much like for the people, democracy, all that stuff, you know, like concerned with the people and less with themselves. Mm -hmm. And Catherine was both. She was a mix where she did honestly, I believe, obviously I, I never met her. <laughs> I believe that she did care for her country and the people that made up the country. I think she understood that a ruler without his people is is not a ruler. It's no one. But at the same time, she also upheld traditions that were harmful. She kept serfdom as a thing, uh, which is a huge topic, and I skimmed over it yeah. pretty much, yeah. but it's a whole thing. She, you know, still raised wars in Europe. She still, you know, installed a puppet ruler in a neighboring country yeah. to advance her own country's interests, but at the disregard of that country's interests. Mm. So she's not I wouldn't call her a good person, but I don't think I'd call her a necessarily a evil person. Yeah. I don't know. It's she's very it's hard. complex. Yes. Um, did the people of Russia continue liking her until she was done ruling? Mm -hmm. She's pretty popular there, I believe. Uh, obviously, I didn't interview any Russians about her when making this. I don't know any <laughs> personally, but well, um, well, no, but I don't mean. Um, mm -hmm. Today, I just meant during her reign or her rule, did they continue believe, to be favorable? I believe she was seen as a, a good ruler uh, to yeah. them, at least. But it's also one of those things where I don't know if you don't people were asking the serfs. Yeah. 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 Like, so it's, I think it's like anything. It was a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, I think they generally like her. And then she got too old and then her son just took over? Yeah, well, she eventually passed away. I, it wasn't so dramatic. She didn't get into a sword fight with anyone. There was a rumor, like kind of a scandalous, this is fake. I said this, full disclaimer, this is anti-Catherine propaganda. It's not <laughs> real. But she had people who didn't like her. A lot of it was because she was a woman. But there are people who, who disliked her. And when she died, they started this very nasty rumor that she had died having sex with a horse. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't true. Wow. Um, I, I might have mentioned this last week, but she had a lot of boyfriends, you know? So she had this reputation as being very sexually promiscuous. Promiscuous. But yes. But if you compare her um, the amount of her partners to the amount of partners a lot of male monarchs had, mm -hmm. it was actually less, like kind of significantly less. Yeah. So a yeah. double standard there. Boy, that's why I want to talk about her because yeah, she's interesting. She is totally yeah. interesting and and so complex. Like I could see where it was difficult probably to know where to cut off. Like, yes. okay, we can't I can't tell you everything about the Ottoman Empire, but it plays in yeah. and you know, yeah, all that stuff yeah. and how it all plays in. So there was um, a whole other like conflict with Poland that I cut out because it was just like I need to I need to get this yeah, out there in that, an understandable way. And uh -huh. yeah. So much mm -hmm. interconnectedness in history. Yes. So yes. Uh, really great job. I enjoyed a lot learning about Catherine. That was really, really interesting, Jacob. Nice job. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm our listeners like liked it. it too. Yeah. I hope it wasn't too 
too scatterbrained, I guess, is the term for it. You know, jumping from one event to the next event to the next event, sometimes it can sound a little disjointed, like when I present a story like that. When you're but, just hitting the highlights, right? Because yes, like you said, you, there's a lot of downtime, things that happen There's in a between. lot of like boring things like, mm-hmm. oh, and then, you know, this minister did this. And yeah. then she had, you know, uh, put this person in this position. And it's all like court stuff yeah. that is relevant, kind of. But, but not it's, pivotal, like some of the things yeah, that you... And it's it's boring and I don't want to bore your audience. So yeah. Well, cool. Well, usually this is where we say, so what we're going to be talking about next, what the next topic is, but we're actually going to leave that to be a mystery because uh, just to update the listeners, you're getting ready to make a huge move back Mm -hmm. across the country. So that's going to take up a lot of our time. And we've called in some reinforcements to do some, (laughs) (laughs) to do some research and kind of take your place um, while you're getting settled and things like that. So, Yes. Um, for the next, an, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's a temporary uh, kind of Pat's job, so to speak. <laughs> you know, real life sometimes just gets in the way of your nicely ordered schedules. Yeah, uh, which is fine. We should all kind of, I think, aspire to prepare for the unexpected. Or and I the, think it it's, it disruptions. That's true, and it is. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it. No, um, you're good. It really is so much in how you look at it, and really, it's an opportunity to do something different, and you don't know what's going to come of the opportunity. So. Um, so yeah, so uh, the next two or three times we're going to have guest speakers in, they all happen to be related to you. So um, <laughs> well, that's how we, that's how we got them without having to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cause we're paid so highly too. So, um, so <laughs> God, I wish, uh, <laughs> so we'll see. So next, next week, we don't even know exactly who's going to be up first. So you'll just have to find out along with us, but it's gonna I'm be sure a it's fun surprise. Yeah. And it's going to be good. So, uh, listeners, thanks so much. We really appreciate you being there and you know reach out to us if you ever have any questions you just want to chat and say hello we love to hear from you and uh i guess that's it until next time bye confucius once said study the past if you would define the future you've been listening to the history slices podcast with jacob and rachel We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show, and tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off.